Well, welcome to the third Sunday of Advent. What an amazing season it is as we journey together toward Christmas. We've discovered that the word Advent comes from the Latin word that means coming. And so we use these weeks leading up to Christmas as a chance to celebrate the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world. Advent is a journey to Christmas together. It's a journey of the heart and soul, but it's also a journey that will realign our expectations and experience of the Christmas season. And it's a journey that will explore the gifts of Christmas delivered by and through Jesus Christ. Hope, love, joy, and peace. We all need hope. In the storms of life, love that never gives up, fresh joy on our journey, and peace no matter what we're facing or dealing with. The star, a journey to Christmas. This morning, inspired by the lighting of this third Advent candle, our focus is on a journey of joy. Actually, a closer examination of that first Christmas story reveals that joy is present throughout the Bible narrative. For instance, Zechariah, as the angel Gabriel announced the coming birth of his son John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, the angel said, He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. And then there was Elizabeth, his wife, the expectant mother of John the Baptist, when her relative Mary, who was already pregnant with Jesus, first arrived for a visit. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, Elizabeth said. And so Mary, in her response to Elizabeth's words, said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Or how about the Magi, the wise men, after meeting with Herod in Jerusalem and heading toward Bethlehem to find the young child Jesus. It says, The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were over." Joyed. However, I think the best picture of joy in the Christmas story must certainly be that of the angels and the shepherds here in Luke chapter 2. So follow along in your Bible as I read the story of the night of Jesus' birth. And I thought we'd just read the whole thing because it's like so good. <laughs> we begin with Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census taken that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I think that perhaps the key verse in all of this, the one I want to focus on today at least, is verse 10. So let's read it out loud together. Would you read it with me? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Don't miss those words. Great joy. The word great here in the Greek is the word from which we get our English word mega. (laughs) Christmas is the story of mega joy. And how this sad, gloomy world needs this kind of great joy today. So, many, many people lead such joyless lives. You can see it on their faces. You can hear it in their voices. You can sense it in their body language, especially at this time of Christmas. There's not a lot of mega joy being shown by frantic shoppers or stressed parents or busy business people nowadays. And add to that the news of corrupt politicians and angry protests and disastrous fires and militant terrorists and our world seems pretty joyless today. We need to hear the angel's words once again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let's take a moment to reconsider and refocus on this great joy together this morning. Beginning with the great joy explained. As you can see there in your lesson notes, if you looked up the word joy in the dictionary, you would find a definition something like this. The emotion of great pleasure or delight caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Some common synonyms include delight, pleasure, gratification, wonder, bliss. Now the Greek word that's most often translated joy in the New Testament is Kara, which is a word that comes from the same root as the word charis, which is the word grace. Think about that for a minute. As one Bible dictionary explains, it is grace recognized. Joy comes from grace. It is the gladness that comes from being aware of God's favor in our lives. We cannot have joy without grace. 
as verse 10 put it, it's the good news that will cause great joy. In other words, it is this good news of God's grace and favor, the good news of His Son and our Savior Jesus Christ. That is what is the very source of our joy. Now I think it's important for us to understand that there's a distinct difference between happiness and joy. Because you see, happiness is conditional. Whereas joy is unconditional. Happiness is external. Whereas joy is internal. And happiness is temporal. Whereas joy is eternal. Now while you're scrambling to write all that down, let me elaborate on that for just a moment. (laughs) Happiness. It is conditional. It is, really. It's conditioned on what's happening around us, on what's happening to us in our lives day by day. Our happiness is determined by the external, by those things around us in our lives, the stuff that life is made of, and therefore it is very temporal in its nature. We may find temporary happiness in something, but that quickly vanishes and goes on its way. Whereas on the other side of the column, joy is unconditional. It doesn't depend upon what's happening around us. It doesn't depend upon what's happening to us because it all depends on what's happened in us. The joy of God's grace in our lives. It is internal in its nature. It is something the world cannot touch and the world cannot take it away. And therefore it is eternal. We will have this joy all through eternity. And it's all because of God's grace and our relationship with Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to understand that distinction. Great joy explained. That leads us to our second main point today, and that's great joy explored. With today's text as our backdrop, let's explore this mega joy a bit further together. I see here in verses 10 and 11 three characteristics of this great joy that need our further exploration. Three R's, if you will. The first R word is the reward. The reward of joy. Because the first words out of the angel's mouth in verse 10 were... Do not be afraid. (laughs) Now, in the context of the Christmas story here in Luke 2, those words, do not be afraid, had obvious application to these shepherds. I mean, put yourself in their place. It's a dark night, just like every night for hundreds of nights before. You have put the sheep into the safety of a fold. You have gathered around the campfire perhaps with your fellow shepherds and your swapping stories. and Everything's just like it's always been when all of a sudden the Shekinah glory of God shines around you and an angel of the Lord appears face to face with you and verse 9 says they were terrified. Well, of course they were. We would have been too. Yet I think that these words do not be afraid also have a broader application for our lives today. 
Because the truth is, many people live each and every day of their lives in some kind of fear. Fear of illness. Fear of death. Fear of broken relationships. Fear of loneliness. Fear of financial struggles. Emotional struggles. Spiritual struggles. Fear of unemployment, fear of acceptance by other people, fear of tomorrow, fear of eternity, and on and on the list of fears goes. So here's the reward, you see, that comes with great joy. Do not be afraid. We no longer need to live our lives in fear. When we understand this good news of great joy, when we truly know and experience the mega joy that the angel proclaims in today's text, a Savior has been born to you, we become fearless. We no longer have to fear anyone or anything in this life or in the life that is to come. That's the reward that comes from this great joy in our lives. That's why James could write, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Yeah, that's what it says. Because you see, if and when we face trials and tribulations, even when we endure persecution and injustice, we can do so with pure joy, with great joy, with mega joy because of what God has done in our hearts. Jesus was our example of this. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Let's read this out loud together. Now stay focused on Jesus who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him. Do you notice that Jesus endured the cross? The most painful, shameful, awful form of injustice and persecution and execution that you can possibly imagine in your mind. He endured the cross. How? By focusing, it says, on the joy that was set before Him. Well, don't miss that. And when faced with trials and tribulations, we may do the same. How? By focusing on the great joy that is unconditional, internal, and eternal. The mega joy that is anchored, by the way, in the hope and the love that we talked about in the first two lessons in this Advent series. And so the first R is the reward of joy. The second R is the recipient's. The recipients of joy. Don't overlook the angel's words at the end of verse 10. That will be for all the people. This great joy, this mega joy is for all the people. It's for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. We are all intended to be the recipients of this good news of great joy. 
It's Jesus' desire for each and every one of us in His own words in John 15, 11, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Just a chapter later, Jesus assured us in John 16, 22, you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. We've got to realize that these promises are for all the people. <laughs> That's what God's intention was. They're for you and they're for me and they're for everyone. We are all the recipients of this gift of joy. Which brings us to the final R, and that's the relationship. The relationship. Let's read the angel's words in verse 11 out loud together. Would you read these with me? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, if you're accustomed to marking in your Bible... I would encourage you to circle or underline or highlight the three key words that disclose who Jesus is. He is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Because here's the bottom line. This great joy, this mega joy, is only experienced in a personal, individual relationship with Jesus, the Savior, Messiah, and Lord. This threefold disclosure of Jesus is in fact the good news that the angel announced to the shepherd. And it is still the very same good news for us today. Number one, Jesus is Savior. Actually, the very name Jesus may be translated Savior or Deliverer. In Matthew 1 and verse 21, the angel told Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And second, Jesus is Messiah. The Hebrew word Messiah is the very same as the Greek word Christ. Both literally mean anointed one or chosen one. Even before time began, God chose and anointed His one and only Son to come to this earth in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And third, Jesus is Lord. That title speaks of rank or position. It designates one who is sovereign. One who has ultimate authority. One who is the ruler and master of all. The leader. The boss. The one who is in charge. And by the way, there can only be one Lord. Jesus. Savior. Messiah. Lord. That's Jesus fully disclosed to us in the proclamation of the angel. I mean, no wonder this is good news. Jesus is our Savior. The only one who can save us from our sins. Jesus is our Messiah, the one and only Son of God chosen to identify with us as He lived among us in human flesh. And Jesus is our Lord, the leader, boss, and the one in charge in our lives. He is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. All three together, He cannot be one without the others. Now again, the bottom line is this. This great joy, this mega joy, is only experienced in a personal, individual relationship with Jesus, the Savior, Messiah, and Lord. 
The shepherds realized that was true. You see that right here in the text, verses 15 and 16. says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Do you notice what they did? They were, they were not content to merely hear the good news. No! They took action. They investigated the good news for themselves. They understood the necessity of a personal encounter with Jesus. They met the Savior, Messiah, and Lord face to face. Because you see, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1 and verse 8, So you believe in Him and are filled with a joy that cannot be explained and an expressible and glorious joy. I love that verse. Again, this inexpressible and glorious joy only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus as Savior, Messiah, and Lord of our individual lives. And as we choose to follow Christ, then the Scripture tells us that He chooses then to live in us. He comes to us by His Holy Spirit. And according to Galatians 5 and verse 22, the Spirit then begins to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is joy. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls this the joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. It only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus. So as we explore this great joy, we must understand and apply these three R's. The reward, do not be afraid. The recipients, for all the people. And the relationship. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Which brings us to our final main point today, and that's great joy expressed. Once we've experienced this great joy in our lives, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We must express it. Well, to whom? First of all, to God. We must express this joy to God. I mean, that's what the angels did. Look at verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And that's what the shepherds did. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. See, the key word here is the word worship. Worship. When we have this make a joy in our hearts and lives, it always breaks out in worship and in praise. I mean, just listen to some of these psalms as an example. Psalm 27, verse 6. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Psalm 28, verse 7. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise Him. Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands all 
all you peoples. Shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 95 verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 98. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together. For joy. Psalm 100 verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. And on and on we could go. When we've experienced this great joy in our lives, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We must express it to God. So, let me ask you this question. How joyful was your worship today? Come on. How jubilant, how exuberant were you in the singing that we shared together this morning? Singing songs of joy. Were you, were you giving it all you've got? Were you full of enthusiasm and passion as you sang those songs? Or did you just kind of go, joy to the world, the Lord is come. <laughs> so easy for us to forget, isn't it? That's why we need a little... Motivation to remind us that when we worship God, we're worshiping God. The one who has bestowed His favor and grace upon us, who has given us a chance at this incredibly inexpressible and glorious joy, and we have to break forth in worship. We must give it all we've got when we worship Him. Second, we must express this mega joy to others. Again, this great joy is just too wonderful to keep it to ourselves. Not only must it be expressed to God, it must also be expressed to others. That's what the shepherds did again. Look at verses 17 and 18. When they had seen Him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The key word here, of course, is evangelism. Evangelism. The fact is, these lowly shepherds were the very first evangelists of the good news. These poor, uneducated outcasts of Jewish society simply spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child to anyone and to everyone who would listen. And by the way, the people did listen. It says all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The point is, if the shepherds could share the good news that will cause great joy with others, then so can we. We don't need any special training or seminary education. We don't even need the spiritual gift of evangelism for that matter. We just need a heart that is purposeful, and intentional and willing to share. Now, as you know, next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And our morning worship service is going to be a wonderful candlelight service with carols and 
special music, Christmas cookies, <laughs> multimedia. The final message in this Advent series is going to be on peace. you think anybody needs any peace in their lives today? It's the perfect opportunity for us to invite others. Better yet, to bring others. That's a better word. Bring them. Don't just invite them as our guest. Let's spread the word. Let's share this great joy in this coming week with our family and our friends and our neighbors and others. People you've been praying for on your prayer list that we handed out a month or so ago. Been praying fervently for these neighbors that live around us to come. Hope you've been praying for your list as well. And Let's put feet to that and let's invite them. Let's bring them next Sunday morning as we worship together. Because when we've experienced this great joy in our lives, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We must express it to others. The star, a journey to Christmas. This morning, this third Sunday of Advent, we focus on a journey of joy. Luke 2 verse 10 says it all. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let's pray. Father, this morning it is our desire to have that great joy, to experience that great joy in our lives. God, it is our heart's desire not just to study about it, not just to think about it, but to actually experience it. To be able to have You Anoint us, as the Scripture says, with the oil of joy and gladness. That You would give us a fresh touch of Your inexpressible and glorious joy, Your mega joy today. We need that. We're ready to receive that today. Come. Come, O God. Come, Holy Spirit, and shed in our hearts that joy. Please, we cry out. Restore that joy unto us today. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need that for such a time as this. So God, we are ready to receive it today. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.